Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net Minute. It is here. High school football underway in the state of Wisconsin. As high school football teams had their first practices of the year on Tuesday. Monday was equipment handout, weight testing, uh, weighing in, some basic things. But Tuesday, the first day of high school football around the state of Wisconsin. And it is a always a, a fun time when things finally get underway. You know, teams have been uh, players and, and teams have been working out in the offseason, been putting in time in the weight room and, uh, you know, going back to November and December of last year. Uh, you know, the summer workouts, the summer seven-on-seven, seven, contact days, all that stuff leading up to the first official practices this week. Now, of course, it's uh, a little bit limited at first. You have to have a couple days in helmets only and then three days in helmets and shoulder pads before you can get into full contact uh, next week. But uh, it's here. It's underway. Now we get three weeks of practices before the first games are in, and, uh, and, and we really get underway in the high school football season. So as we kick off the 2019 high school football season, I thought it would be appropriate to take a look at some of the big storylines that we're going to be following all this season on Wisports.net and, and people around the state will be talking about before the year starts here, as the year goes on, and uh, just some of the big things that, uh, that are going to be catching people's attention. We had the same conversation last year, and, and the big topic last year, of course, was Kimberly and their 70-game winning streak that they had coming into the 2018 season. And as uh, many people thought might be the case, it ended up right away in week one last year that Fond du Lac put an end to that 70-game winning streak, beating the Papermakers in a non-conference, or excuse me, in a... Uh, Maybe it was a non-conference game. Now I can't remember with all the, uh, the the crossovers that happen in the VFA. But uh, Fond du Lac beat Kimberly in week one. Kimberly went on, won, what would it have been, 12, 13, 12 games in a row after that, including a, uh, a win over Fond du Lac in, uh, in the playoffs. Another exciting game between those two teams. But then in the state championship game, Muskego ended Kimberly's state title winning streak at five consecutive championships for the papermakers. So we're going to be talking about Kimberly once again. It's uh, uh, the, conversa- the conversation has changed, obviously. We're not talking about 70, winning, 70 wins in a row, five championships in a row. Now the conversation is, can Kimberly begin new streaks, a new winning streak, a new state title streak? They've got the, the talent to do it, certainly. There's uh, some, some really high-level kids on that team, a, a number of Division I prospects in that senior class, and they've got some talented players coming up. So can they get a new streak going? Um, again, whether it's their, their winning streak or getting back to state and getting that state championship streak going again under head coach Steve Jones. Uh, again, a good amount of talent back. You know, it's a at this point, it's a talent factory there at uh, at Kimberly. Um, you know, kids buy in; they buy in in the off season. They're working hard in the weight room. Um, again, some very high level kids back: Connor Wenick, 
receiver just committed to Air Force. Mitch Bardo, their tight end, is a D1 kid. Evan Buss, their uh, offensive lineman, is committed to Northern Illinois. Logan Wilson, defensive lineman, committed to Western Michigan. Uh, some high-level kids, but you know they don't have uh, a, a ton of starters back this year. In fact, only four starters back on both sides of the ball. 15 letter winners, um, but again, talent coming back. Uh, I know they like the the guys that they have at the skill positions at uh, receiver and running back. Uh, defensive line should be a, a strong group. There's uh, some some good talent in the younger. Uh, defensive line uh, uh, group there. Uh, quarterback, a uh, little bit of a question mark. Um, we've seen them run through a, a few different guys with great success over the last few years. Uh, Cody Starkle stepped up big in uh, in that role last year, but who's going to fill that role this year? You know, they've they've relied on seniors to kind of uh, step in and and not miss a beat from the year before. So who's that going to be this year? And you know, can they? Uh, continue that uh, high level of play, high level of success that they've become accustomed to. You know, I don't know how many years it's been in a row that they've had somebody throw for over 2,000 yards. Um, Got to be one of the longest streaks in the state, I think. Um, but uh, who's who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the quarterback that will make the tough throws when they need to? That you know, we've seen them make some big comebacks in the past with some uh, big throws down the road. Uh, who are who are those guys going to be? So. Uh, Kimberly, very much on the mind of, uh, of a lot of fans around the state this year as we enter 2019. Now, we can't talk about Kimberly without talking about Muskego and what they have, uh, what they did last year in defeating Kimberly in that state championship game, going undefeated in the Classic 8 Conference, winning a league title, winning a state title, going 14-0, against a very challenging schedule. A, uh, an outstanding performance by the Warriors, who had been kind of knocking on the door for a while under Ken Krause and uh, in, in, the, in that group of coaches that have uh, done a great job building that program, had been very close and finally got over the hump last year. And they are going to be very, very good once again. Probably more talent than anybody coming back this year. We had them number one in the preseason uh, for uh, for a good reason. They have nine starters back on offense. Nine starters back from an offense that put up big, big numbers in that wing tee. Uh, Alex Current, a uh, big-time playmaker for them at the running back spot, averaged over 13 yards a carry last year, uh, was effective in the uh, in the passing game as well. Um, now they've, they do have to replace their quarterback, but they like – who they have coming in, Connor Groman, um, very impressive kid physically that uh, I know they like a lot. And then also uh, they do need to replace their fullback, their, their kind of workhorse in the, the run game. They're not going to hand it off to Current every time. That you know that defeats the purpose and what you're trying to accomplish in the wing tee. So they need to find a uh, kind of a grinded-out guy. But whoever that is is going to run behind a very big and talented offensive line, um, Jacob Lashinsky, uh, you know, a borderline D1 type of kid. Ethan Jaquette, uh, certainly a scholarship kid. Maybe at the uh, at the Division II level. Ethan Martin, or excuse me, Kyle Mason, um, a returning starter. And then Eric Strazuski, uh, excuse me, their tight end, uh, six foot five, almost like another offensive lineman uh, up front. So 
Very, very talented group on offense. Defensively, they, they have five starters back with some outstanding kids. Hunter Wohler, an All-State safety, um, has offers from Iowa and Wisconsin, Michigan State. Uh, Brian Gruen uh, at the linebacker spot, uh, pretty talented linebacker group in general for the, uh, for the Warriors. So uh, looking very good once again. And, you know, it, it, uh, you know it's, it's not like we're expecting it to be Kimberly and Muskego at the end once again, but it wouldn't be a surprise because those two teams are very good. Uh, and speaking of Muskego, how about the talent level and, and uh, just the competitive level that we have in the Classic 8 Conference, where it's been, as, as we've said before, one of, if not the best conferences in the entire state of Wisconsin for a number of years, and this year, no different. You have Muskego sitting there at the top, but Catholic Memorial won a state title last year. Their only loss was to Muskego early in the year in a uh, an instant classic where uh, Catholic Memorial scored late to make it a one-point game, went for two in the closing seconds and didn't get it. But that could have been a, uh, you know, a, a win for, Cath- or for Catholic Memorial for, for sure. And they have a lot of talent coming back this year, despite the fact that they lost arguably the top uh, class of 2021 player in the state, J.C. Latham, who's going down to IMG Academy down in Florida. Also lost another very good defensive lineman uh, to a transfer to Whitnall. But, I mean, they have two Division One linebackers coming back, another linebacker that is a scholarship kid maybe at the D2 level. Um, Cole Dakovich heading to Wisconsin, Ben Cryle going to Purdue, and then uh, Joey Gates, a very good linebacker as well. Um, offensively, Luke Fox certainly going to be in the running for Offensive Player of the Year in the state of Wisconsin. He was a top-ranked quarterback in our senior football rankings. In fact, they had three players that were tops at their position, uh, Fox and then Dakovich and Cryle as well. Um, very good on the offensive line. Joe Sigma is a big-time uh, weapon at receiver. Tommy Schmitzer, a uh, very good running back. So they are uh, going to be one of the best teams in the state regardless of division. Uh, but, of course, they'll drop down to Division Three once the playoffs get underway. I've heard from a few people that there is a feeling at Arrowhead that Arrowhead is back uh, could be back, or they feel are is back. Arrowhead is back to being Arrowhead. You know, we we saw them in four straight title games, ending in 2015. Um, haven't been there since, and they haven't quite been at uh, at that level per se. Um, they've been good. They made the playoffs, all that stuff. But you know, again, a sense that they could be there. They started 0-3 last year, and you thought, oh boy, after that 2017 season where they kind of snuck into the playoffs narrowly, you're thinking, all right, uh, it's trouble territory in Arrowhead. But they won seven straight games to end the year, uh, including a couple impressive playoff victories, and then lost to Fond du Lac in level three of the playoffs. So again, they are heading in the right direction. McGuanago doing very good things under Mike Ganebach, uh, who moved over from Fond du Lac uh, before last year. They've got six starters back, 48 letter winners returning, some Division I-type talent uh, up front for the, uh, for the Indians. Uh, quarterback Justin Peck um, is back. He 
to give you an idea of how good the quarterbacks were in the Classic 8 last year, he wasn't even honorable mention, but he threw for 1,600 yards and 19 touchdowns. So, again, goes to show how good the quarterback spot is there. So Maguanago is going to be very good. Waukesha West, um, you know, they, they might not be a league title contender, although it wouldn't be a total shock, but they're going to be very good. I mean, I, I had to pick them fifth in the preseason uh uh, classic preview, uh, classic eight preview, fifth for Waukesha West. It kind of fl- went back and forth b- between them and McGuanago for that four spot. But um, Waukesha West is going to be very good. You know, they they lose a, a 1800 yard rusher in Sam McCulloch, but uh, Brooks Blount is a three year starter, threw for 2300 yards, something like that last year. Um, but they're going to need some uh, some skill guys to step up around him. Kettle Moraine has uh, been heading in the right direction the last few years under Justin Gum, who now has left that program. And Matt McDonald takes over, a 2008 Waukesha West graduate, takes over as the head coach now. Um, but they've got a talented roster, including the state's top-ranked senior, Trey Wiedig, offensive lineman who's heading to Wisconsin. Um, need to play some skill guys. But speaking of skill guys, Waukesha North has two of the best skill guys in the entire state. Quarterback Johnny Kelleher, a very good all-around athlete, threw for over 2,200 yards. And then Chimiri DK, uh, the receiver, one of the most prolific uh, pass catchers in the state last year, committed to Wisconsin. Waukesha North would be a, a playoff team in a lot of conferences, uh, to be quite honest with you, in a Division One, Division Two type conference. Um, but they're seventh. Uh, in our preseason projections. I think they could challenge for a playoff spot. They've been close the last few years, but haven't been able to get over the hump. Matt Harris and company there, um, you know, they've, they've got a shot. But uh, just goes to show you how good and deep the Classic 8 conference is. And if you looked at the uh, Classic 8 preview, I think I ended up with 15 or 16 players to watch, and that didn't even include some first-team all-conference guys that were coming back that didn't include some guys that were probably are going to be scholarship type of players at the next level. But there's just so much talent in the Classic 8 from a team perspective and from an individual perspective. Could not fit everybody in there. Um, But, man, a loaded, loaded league once again. Uh, And, again, we talked about Catholic Memorial – and uh, you know how good they could be and how good they are in Division Three. Uh, one of the storylines that we'll talk about is the the potential and, and maybe, quite honestly, the likelihood of Catholic Memorial and West Appear playing again in the state championship game. We saw that last year. West Appear took advantage of some early Catholic Memorial mistakes and led twenty-four to nothing early in the third quarter, and all of a sudden it clicked. Catholic Memorial. They put it together. Luke Fox engineered the uh, the turnaround and 37 unanswered points in the second half of that game as Catholic Memorial came roaring back and won 37 to 24 over West Appear. But West Appear has a ton of talent and experience coming back this year. Um, certainly going to be uh, a favorite in the Bay Conference and uh, I, I would be I would be a little bit surprised, uh, to be honest with you, if it is not 
West appear and Catholic Memorial in the state championship game, unless somehow they ended up on the same uh, side of the bracket, uh, perhaps. But eight starters back on offense for West appear, five on defense. Josh Blount was the uh, offensive player of the year in the conference last year. He's back. They've got some talented uh, running backs in the backfield. Up front, Kerry Kadanko, Bryce Grave, uh, tight end Billy Wyatt essentially serves as another um, offensive lineman for them. They lose Jake Karshinsky on defense, which is a big, big loss. You know, a Division One kid at Iowa, All-State player, uh, but they, they've got some good talent coming back on defense again. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, again, would be a little bit surprised if CMH and West appear do not play for a state title in Division Three. Um, you know, they could get knocked off. There's some still some very good teams. Um, you know, you got to get through the playoffs and level three and four, especially. You're going to run up against some good competition, but it just seems like after the way those two teams ran through things last year, that uh, that they're a little bit above where everybody else is in the division. Speaking of divisions, not necessarily. Uh, it, it's kind of the opposite of Division Three, where you know I I think it's a pretty clear and obvious top two. Um, Division One. How about the depth in the elite teams in Division One? We already talked about Muskego. We talked about Kimberly, but holy smokes, are there some good teams in the top ten and, and beyond in Division One? Maybe the deepest Division One field that I can recall in the last few years. Um, you know, when you get into the playoffs at the bottom of Division One, especially when you have some of uh, the uh, Milwaukee City Conference schools in there. You know, you see some blowouts and you see some lopsided type of scores, but the top eight to ten in Division One are as as good as I have seen in my time here. I think Bayport is absolutely loaded under Gary West uh, Westerman. They were a pretty young team last year. Uh, they've got um, a lot of talent coming back this year. You look up and down the roster. You've got Isaiah Gash at the uh, running back spot. Uh, a Division One type kid, Braden Doyle, a scholarship kid on the offensive line. Uh, Jacob Nugent was a first-team All-Conference offensive lineman. Defensively, uh, really elite players. Uh, Max Musin on the defensive line. He's a scholarship kid. Jose Ramirez, a uh, honorable mention, All-State defensive player as well. Uh, Cal Verlanek at the linebacker spot, honorable mention, All-State. Logan Geisler, first-team All-State, with uh, a couple of Division I scholarship offers, also an outstanding basketball player. Fond du Lac will be in the mix. Of course, a coaching change at Fond du Lac, as Steve Jorgensen takes over for his father, uh, Stephen Jorgensen, excuse me, takes over for his father, Steve Jorgensen. Uh, They graduate a lot. I mean, it was a a very, very good senior class that they had last year. But uh, that program is in a spot where they should stay competitive highly competitive uh, for the foreseeable future. Mentioned Arrowhead seeming like they're going to be back in that elite category. Marquette and Franklin, two teams that have consistently made deep playoff runs the last few years. Marquette loaded on defense with a linebacking group that is as good as anybody in the state, rivals Catholic Memorials. Um, A little bit of uh, work to do on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, But Franklin should be very good once again. Some talented younger kids uh, that are going to get in the mix at the skill position players. Sun Prairie, Madison Memorial, Verona, Middleton out of the Big Eight. Always kind of a wild card in the Big Eight. 
play a closed conference. They don't play anybody outside the league the last uh, last year anyway. They did struggle a little bit in the playoffs. Madison Memorial um, won a share of the league crown and then lost to Sussex Hamilton in level one. Uh, Verona lost to, uh, who'd they lose to? I can't remember. Uh, in the playoffs, maybe it was Arrowhead. Yeah, lost at home to Arrowhead Big. Um, let me double check that. Yeah, yeah, Arrowhead won 63-21. I was at a little bit of that game. Um, also in, in the Big 8, again, Verona, uh, very good. Madison Memorial, Middleton, you know, some very good teams there. Uh, you know, some kind of stalwarts like Appleton North and Hudson should be in the mix once again. So Division One looking very, very strong overall with eight to ten teams at least that I think you could uh, look at as, as being contenders to get to, you know, the state semifinals, for instance. Um, in the individual talent on some of those teams, just outstanding. Uh, you know, Verona's got two Division One offensive linemen. Uh, they've got Jackson Acker in the backfield who committed to Wisconsin before his junior year. Um, really strong group of kids on, uh, on Verona's team and interested to see if they can battle for a conference title for the first time in a couple years. One team that uh, I think we can pencil in for a, um, for a conference title in a uh, pretty you know, strong fashion is St. Mary Springs, who not only has won a number of conference titles in, the, in a row, but the Ledgers are looking for a third straight state championship as they won it all in Division Five last year, moving up as the smallest Division Five school after winning it all in Division Six the previous year. It, it didn't impact them moving up uh, by any means as they rolled through the playoffs and it got a, a state championship in Division Five. Um, title number 16 for Bob Highland. Eight in the old WISA days, eight in WIAA. The state's all-time winning as coach in terms of total wins, total state championships, and they keep on keeping on uh, under Coach Highland as the Ledgers are looking very good once again. Certainly a strong favorite to repeat in Division 5 and, uh, again, a, a pretty safe bet if you're looking for, uh, you know, most likely to win a conference championship. St. Mary Springs in the flyway might be it, although Amro's looking very good. Uh, Mayville is improving, continuing to prove under Tom Nettig uh, and a couple other good teams that are uh, still maybe a little bit behind Springs. But uh, And, of course, they play a very difficult schedule once again as well. One of the things that is a uh, certainly a constant every year are some of the coaching changes in high school football in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we talked about uh, maybe a couple of those so far. Um, at uh, Fond du Lac, the Jorgensons kind of switched spots there. But uh, the, the Hansons, Jeremy and Chad Hanson brothers, uh, are, are back in the saddle, both of them, as Jeremy's an interim coach at Alma Center Lincoln in eight-player football. Chad Hanson, who won a state title at Greenwood Granton a few years ago, moves from his alma mater, uh, Oliva Strum, to Altoona this year. Brian Richkowski had great success at Little Shoot, and he moves over to Ashwabanon, replacing Mark Jonas. Richkowski replaced Greg Enns at Little Shoot. When Enns left Little Shoot a few years ago, he went to Bigfoot, and now he's on the move again as he will head from Bigfoot to Manitowoc Lincoln to try to get that program turned around. 
Um, at Beloit Memorial, uh, Rodney Wiedig is out, uh, won a state title at Bigfoot, preceding Greg Enns. See how this is all kind of interrelated. Um, he had moved on to take on a rebuilding challenge at Beloit Memorial there a few years, and now he's heading to Milton, which I think is a, a good job, a, a really interesting place for him, and uh, interested to see how he does there. At Bangor, uh, Rick Mullenberg stepped down before last year as the head coach. Kevin Kravick, who had been a longtime assistant, stepped into the head spot. Um, they were a very good team once again, made it to the state semifinals. Uh, but Mullenberg will step back into the head role this year. Kravick goes back to being an assistant. One of the most high-profile coaching changes in the state at Brookfield Central, where Jed Kennedy, uh, after a very successful run at Brookfield Central, also had coached at Pulaski, won a state title at Kenosha Bradford. Uh, Coach Kennedy moves on and has moved on to the state of Alabama, where he's an assistant coach down at Enterprise High School in Alabama. And Joel Nellis, uh, an assistant coach there, has been promoted to the head coaching spot. Nellis played at uh, the University of Wisconsin as a tight end um, and is uh, stepping into a obviously a very good situation with a very talented program. But... uh, you know, interesting to see how that uh, that change works. Any anytime you have a coaching change, even if it's a good coach stepping in, there are it does mean some differences there. Uh, some other ones of note: we talked about Justin Gum moving on at Kettle Moraine, Matthew McDonald taking that uh, job, Jason Pittman led Kewaskum uh, to great success. They were in a number of state semifinal games, never quite able to get over the hump and make it to state. Uh, but Steve Tennies takes over there as Coach Pittman has stepped aside. At Middleton, uh, last year, Tim Simon, who was the longtime coach there, uh, kind of shared the duties with Jason Pertzborn in anticipation of Jason Pertzborn taking over this year as the uh, solo head coach at Middleton. A late change, Jason Theory at Prairie du Chien uh, stepped away to take the athletic director job at Onalaska it just happened right before the season I think officially that uh, theory got approved at Onalaska this week by the uh, school board um, so Corey Koenig sta- steps in as the head coach at Prairie du Chien Tony DeSalvo kind of an interesting situation at St. Croix Central he had great success with the Panthers taking them to was it three straight state title games including a championship um, they were runners-up last year to Racine St. Catharines. He retired as a teacher, which meant he had to uh, reapply, and they opened up the coaching position. And uh, I don't know all of the details and intricacies, other than it was a very surprising and, and interesting situation that the school decided not to bring him back as head coach and instead promoted John Tackman, an assistant, to the head coaching position at St. Croix Central. Uh, Doug Sarver, longtime head coach at St. Francis, stepped aside, still serving as the athletic director, still serving on the uh, Wisconsin Football Coaches Association executive board, but he stepped aside. Jeff Wallach takes over. Wallach had coached at Milwaukee Bayview, Milwaukee Hamilton, Whitnall, spent the last couple years as an assistant at St. Francis. Clay Iverson getting back into the high school ranks at Sauk Prairie. He was the head coach at Pewaukee when the Watt brothers were there, had moved on to McGuanago and then stepped aside and spent the last year or two as an assistant at, uh, I believe it was at Carroll College, um, and back as a high school coach at Sauk Prairie. 
at Sheboygan Falls, a program that has really uh, taken a, a nice step forward the last couple of years. They've got another coaching change this year, and it'll be Chris Zablocki taking over that position. Coach Zablocki uh, spent a number of years as the head coach at Cedar Grove, Belgium, really built that program up to great success. Um, had moved on to Sheboygan North, I think maybe only a year there, then a year or two at Kohler, the uh, Kohler Co-op, and now at Sheboygan Falls for, uh, for Chris Zablocki. A total of, uh, that I know of, about 65 coaching changes in the state of Wisconsin this year, which is pretty much on pace with, uh, with most years. You know, that's getting close to a quarter of the coaches changing in, uh, in a single year, which is uh, about normal. Um, you know, not something that you like to see, per se, but uh, it's kind of where we've been. Um, well, maybe not a quarter. It's about 16%, as I did my quick calculator math. But, uh, you know, 15%, 16% of coaches changing over each year is kind of where we're at. And it's not just a football thing. Almost every sport, we're seeing that kind of turnover in the coaching ranks. Uh, going from coaching to players, one of the players that we talked about last year a lot, and deservedly so, was Tyler, or excuse me, was uh, Bryce Hittner from Myola, Scandinavia, who we were on state record watch for a good part of the year, and sure enough, he would go on to set a new state rushing record last year. He finished his career with 6,870 career rushing yards. But it might be a short reign at the top, because coming up behind him is Tyler Tenner, who, interestingly enough, they played in the uh, state championship game last year. It was Iola versus Racine Lutheran. But uh, Tyler Tenner went for over 1,800 yards as a sophomore, over 2,200 yards as a junior. He enters his senior season ahead of where Bryce Hittner was entering his senior season. As of right now, uh, Tyler Tenner is about, uh, is not about, he's exactly 2,253 yards behind where Hittner was coming into uh, the year. So that's a lot of yards, but Tenner had more than that last year. So if they make another deep playoff run, if he stays healthy, he's got a shot to, to beat out Bryce Hittner for the all-time rushing record in the state of Wisconsin, maybe even become the first player to go over 7,000 career rushing yards. So that's something that we'll be following all year. We're seeing Lutheran should be very good once again. Uh, we've got them number one in Division Six. Now, it will be interesting to see where we're seeing Lutheran falls on the cut line in the playoffs because they are very close in our projections that we did just uh, not that long ago, um, a couple months ago or a month ago, whatever it was, they're very close to moving up to Division Five. Um, we projected them as the second largest Division Six team, which means they're right on the bubble. They're right there to uh, to potentially move up to Division Five, depending on how things go. Uh, they're not the only team that's kind of on that cut line discussion. Lancaster ended up in Division Six last year. They've got a lot coming back and would be a threat there, but uh, they might end up in D5 where they had been the last few seasons. Still would be a very good team there. Iola Scandinavia, the other participant, the state title winning team in Division Six last year, very close to the Division Seven cut line. Blackhawk, who will co-op this year with Warren, Illinois. There's a little bit of discrepancy on uh, 
what the enrollment number is for the Warren part of that co-op. Based on the initial number we got, it looked like Blackhawk Warren would comfortably be in Division 6. However, it appears that number will be updated. We're still kind of waiting from the WIA for the official number, but it seems like that updated number could put them down into Division 7. And, uh, of course, Blackhawk has uh, had great success, uh, great success the last few years, won a state title last year, their second under Corey Mills. Uh, so if you know that, that situation, D6, D7 for Blackhawk is something that we'll follow as well. Uh, expanded eight-player um, teams this year. It's something that, obviously... 2012 was the year it kind of kicked off again with some teams switching to eight-player football. It expanded pretty quickly uh, from there, but things had kind of leveled off in terms of total number of eight-player teams for a couple of years and kind of seemed like, well, you know, we're at a tipping point one way or the other. Um, but with the, uh, the implementation last year of the first eight-player playoffs, which were eight teams, and then uh, this year, it will be 16 teams that will participate in eight-player football playoffs. There's been an influx, not only this year, but a, a number coming next year as well. This year, there are 11 new teams to eight-player football. Next year, we'll add another seven to eight-player football. So it is, uh, it's, it's growing, and it's finally getting to that point where you're getting up over 40, close to 50 teams after next year. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where things go from there. Now, the teams entering eight-player football this year, not surprisingly, most of them struggled. In fact, none of them had a winning record. None of those 11 teams had a winning record. A number of them were 0-9, maybe had one win. Uh, the best record was uh, Three Lakes, who was 5-5. Five and five. Them and Surring were the only teams that are moving to eight-player this year that made the playoffs in 11-player last year. Uh, so it's not, uh, you know, it's not the, the real strong schools coming in to eight-player football. It's the teams that are struggling not only with numbers but on the field that are making that change. And it's evidenced by, uh, you know, a, a few, I guess what you would call larger teams or larger schools making the switch. Algoma's making the switch this year. Schwamigan, both are, uh, you know, in the, in the mid-200s. Uh, Algoma's at 234. Schwamigan's at 249. Um of course, the, the cutoff to make the eight-player playoffs is 200. So that's an ongoing discussion of whether that should be adjusted, whether everybody that wants to play eight-player should get in, or whether there should continue to be some kind of a cutoff or maybe two divisions at some point. Um, but that's a, a, a discussion for a different day, we'll say. Now, we talked about some of the division changes that might happen next year. We talked about the eight-player changes that will happen this year. Uh, and there are some realignment changes that are in place for this year, the, the most significant being the uh, realignment plan that went down in the southwest part of the state, something that had been worked on for a number of years, and finally they got it taken care of um, for a year because it's going to be a one-year solution, and then... In 2020, next year, the statewide realignment kicks in and changes pretty much all of those. <laughs> and, and there's also some teams going to eight-player in that mix, so it'll, again, continue to change it. But some changes in southwest Wisconsin where the uh, the SWC and the South Central had been six-team leagues for, for many years, had wanted relief 
for scheduling and, uh, and, and finally got it. Essentially, the Cooley Conference goes away for this year um, as some of those schools move in with the old South Central schools. You have uh, uh, Viroqua and Westby moving in with the, a number of these Southwest Conference schools. Um, so we do have some realignment in Southwest Wisconsin, but again, it's going to be a one-year solution with a lot of that uh, changing in 2020. There were a few things here or there, um, you know, some minor changes to the, the Dairyland and the Lakeland, the heart of the north, have a few co-ops that are changing. Fall River and Rio are co-oping this year. Shoalsburg joins the Benton Scales Mound co-op. Um, Evansville is a standalone program as Albany, who had been with them for uh, quite a few years, moves over with Parkview Albany, or moves over with Parkview to form Parkview Albany. Have a couple schools returning to varsity football this year. North Fond du Lac making a return. Kenosha Christian Life returning. Unfortunately, we just got word earlier today on Wednesday as I record this that the uh, Sturgeon Bay program will not be fielding a varsity football team this year. That's one of the bigger schools that has been forced to drop football You know, this late in the year. They're over 400. I think they're 405 is their enrollment number. Um, very surprising and kind of not ironic, but it, it just kind of cuts extra deep because this is the 15th anniversary of the state title winning team at Sturgeon Bay from 2004 when they beat St. Francis in the Division IV state championship game. Um, so it, it just, you know, it stings a little extra when that was going to be uh, celebrated this year. And, uh, and here it is, dropping football, as they could not feel enough players, at least at the upper grades, to be competitive. They felt a team that had struggled the last few years mightily, um, and they are dropping out. And so a little bit of a scramble for some teams as they're trying to fill uh, some dates, get an extra game in. We'll see how many of them actually are able to. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, not, a, not a good situation, but... We've seen it pretty much every year, unfortunately. And again, we, we talked about realignment, uh, and then there's that big realignment coming next year. So, you know, obviously we'll wait. Next year it'll have the big impact, but does it change anything this year? I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Does it, does it impact anything this year in terms of plans or what teams are trying to do? Probably not, but, um, you know, I know there's some teams that are looking forward to their situation next year. There's some teams that, are not looking forward to their situation next year, but uh, it, it's you know kind of a next year thing. And this year, um, you know, we've we, we go with what we have, and uh, and then next year we get to talk about all of these changes. And you know, I, I think the last update was 16 to 18 percent of teams that would move to a new conference. Uh, of course, just because uh, you know you don't you're not moving doesn't mean you're not impacted because. Maybe there's two schools that move out of your conference and two new ones that move in. So almost every team in the state is impacted in some way beginning in 2020. But we'll wait and see how that plays out. It is a fun time of the year as we're finally getting underway. We don't have any competitions this week. It's all just practices. Next week, we do get around to having scrimmages on Friday, most of them, um, and then games on uh, the following week, of course. But if you can, get out and check out the practices in your local area. It's always kind of fun to watch the kids running around, getting back after it. 
And uh, we'll be back next week with a Wisports.net Minute. Uh, not Minute, I'm sorry, WSN Podcast. Mixing up my audio features here. Uh, and, and we'll uh, talk a little bit more uh, about the upcoming season and um, you know, what's going to be going on. So until then, I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net. This has been a Wisports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game. <laughs>